do welcome back to turf more house tv and can i just say there's two things that are guaranteed in life uh shit weather in burnley typical and shitty internet signal in this house so if i do randomly just end up going off screen and then coming back fingers crossed just just give me a moment i will be back but you'll be in the lovely capable hands of charlie when i bring him in anyway fingers crossed with it doesn't cut out in the meantime um, that said, massive hello from myself and Didi Dan right there. Hope everybody is good. And uh, yeah, another game week. We've got Wigan coming up. Uh, tough fixture against Blackpool last week. And uh, just want to add in there as well, obviously, there was a bit of crowd trouble after the game uh, outside the Manchester pub between uh, both sets of fans, uh, which ultimately ended up in a Blackpool fan um, losing his life. And... No matter what, nobody should go to the football and not come home, whether they are seen to be looking for trouble or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just, you know, there's there's no room for it. So uh, it's just, yeah, our thoughts go out to, uh, obviously, his family, uh, everybody associated with Blackpool Football Club. And, yeah, rest in peace, Tony. Um, other than that, it is another game against the side searching, scraping, looking everywhere they can to get the points. And uh, since the, the new manager arrival, they've managed to put a few runs together. But whether it's draws or wins, it still counts. It's probably better than what they had under Colo. Let's not even go there. I'll let Charlie explain that one. Um, but yeah, please do join us. As I say, it really does help. Uh, you can follow us on all our socials. As you see there, it is only Diddy of them buttons. And I'm surprised if you can see it. I need to sort that out. Um, but here is where you can find us on all social media. And once you see this, uh, you'll see Charlie straight after. from the US of A. How are you doing, Charlie? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've got to say, your production there on all the intro titles, that quality. I got, I got more enjoyment watching that than I have any Wigan performance this season, to be honest. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. appreciate it. Um, obviously, you know, 
for your sins, you're a Wigan fan. Um, but, you know, you do run a page called uh, Central Wigan. And um, tell us a bit about your page and what, what you do. Yeah, so I was born actually in Wigan. I was born in a little place called Billings, which is like the borough. I mean, it's a little bit outside. And then obviously I followed them all the way through, getting into the Premier League, followed them, you know, winning the FA Cup and getting relegated. And we kind of became a team that was hovering between League One and Championship. So you kind of got to stick with the team, I think. You got to support where you're from, is what I always say. And then when COVID hit, um, you know, we weren't really allowed in the stadiums. And I'd had season tickets up to that point. But then I'd also moved away. I was like living in Liverpool, which obviously isn't too far anyway, but it was further away than I usually was. And just in not living there and not being able to go to the games as much, I thought, you know what, I'll create a page, Central Wigan, just so I can follow along with it more. And, and then it's just kind of grown into a podcast and a blog. So... It's been been a fun little thing. I've enjoyed it. Nice, nice. And where can people find you and your stuff? Yeah, so I'm just on Twitter, obviously at Central Wigan, and Instagram as well. I have a Substack, which is uh, centralwigan.substack.com, which is where I do all the match previews and reviews. And then Spotify, Apple Podcast, just Central Wigan Podcast. Happy days. I think I've got the Instagram, Twitter page, and I think it's the either the Spotify link or the Blogspot link. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I've got something uh, in the description of the video. But people, please do go check out the links in the description. They will send you all up to um, Charlie's platforms and uh, you can check them out. Also, thank you very much to everyone listening on the podcast. Um, I understand that they are picking up quite a bit now as well as this will be available on podcast. In fact, you will be listening to this right now if you uh, if you are. So thank you very much for your support. And, um, yeah, keep keep listening if you think this is a face for radio and you'd rather listen than watch it. Hey-ho. Um, just a couple of comments to get into then. Uh, first and foremost, Henry's in the chat. Hope you're well. Henry says, evening, Dan the man. I'm here. You're there. You're everywhere. Like shit in a field, Henry. You're there. Um, Nate's in. What's up, Dan? How's it going? Uh, notes up. Notes up at all. I, I'm, things are going good. They're not going too bad. Um, Simon's in as well. All is good this end. Oh, everything is well with yourself, and likewise with yourself, Luke. And um, again, Forest fans coming in. All they talk about is Premier League football. Uh, I, I want him to shut up about it already, but I'm just getting just getting my jabs in at Luke before he do, before he gets his in. Um, and the stream elements bots running. Whoop whoop, Kushte. Um, right, let's get into something that's probably not a Kushte subject. For, for you to be talking about, especially this season. Um, you've gone from Liam Richardson, Cole Oteri, to now Sean Maloney. I mean, let's go back to the, the beginning of this season. What was the feeling around the club at the time, at the beginning of the season? Was it a case of, you know, with promotion, we've seen many teams come up and maybe potentially, you know, strike again while the iron's hot? Um, or did you think it was going to be sort of a similar season to this uh, in terms of just as long as we can try and stay up and then progress from there? We all knew it was going to be difficult. And I think that when you win League One, yeah, well done. But like you've really got to make changes and to try and go into the championship. And there was a bit of a naivety, I feel, from the board of going, oh, we won the, we won the league, so we're just going to use them players again. Championship, you know, Wilkie was top scorer. Surely he's going to score a lot of goals again this season which he has, but I think we really got off on the right foot, but it was also not really a true reflection of where we were. I think we had the best away form in the league at one point. Um, mm, yeah. Sitting around sort of eighth place, we were doing really well. 
And, you know, 16 points from your opening 10 for a team that's just come up is, is pretty good. But then it was a real hit. As soon as we started to get some injuries and fixture congestion, you just really saw that, okay, we're not that team that can, that can really compete. And then it was just a really slow decline. And, you know, I've enjoyed this season to a point of, you know, I enjoy being in the championship. I like watching the games, but it has been a real struggle in terms of fixtures and, and just seeing how far off it we really are from being, you know, a comfortable championship side. And I mean, where do you think it went wrong for Liam Richardson in his tenure? Because to be fair, you know, he'd, he'd come in, I think what, it was one of his first jobs in management. Um to a degree, uh, obviously, I, I knew him from playing for Accrington Stanley, obviously a local club to, to us both, really. Um, but, yeah, what what went wrong for him as a manager? He, we didn't really strengthen in the summer, and I think that was a big problem. And he's not the kind of, I mean, Liam Richardson was our assistant manager when Paul Cook was here. And we yeah. brought in the likes of Kiefer Moore, Jamal Lowe. We brought in these players who were brilliant. And so I, I just can't see that Liam Richardson wasn't putting forward these players to the board as, you know, we need these kind of players. And I think it was really a reluctancy to to really follow up on anything. They've been really trying to manage finances. And I think that we, we really just tried to stick with what we had. But then it became very clear that we can't do that. But then there was a lot of loyalty from Richardson as well. Um, there was a lot of players who, like Max Power has played every game this season. And yeah, I think he is a good player. But there was a real reluctancy to do any kind of rotation, which when it got to the fixture congestion time, the lack of rotation killed us because we just looked dead on our feet for a long time. And then I forget how many games we went in on a losing streak with Liam, but I adore him. I think he was a great manager. He did great things for us. But it came to the time where it was like, right, OK, I think you've done all you can with this. And we need to bring in a manager who can who can try and steady the ship a little bit, which obviously was not Colo Torre. No, I mean... Speak, speaking of that, obviously you've heard the news. Richardson's gone; he's departed. Um, prior to that management, I mean, what's been your thoughts of your Bahrainian owner? Is it Talal something or other? I can't remember his full name, but uh, I mean, what have you made of him since coming in and taking over? Obviously, with all the I think we got our first Wi-Fi glitch. Wonder if he's coming back. Oh, he's gone. All right, so basically, I think that the question was, what do I think of the Bahraini owners? Um, so we're owned by uh, a company called Phoenix, which is out of Bahrain. They're, they're led by um, a guy called Mr. Al Jasmi, I think is the, the actual guy who owns it. And Talal Al-Hamad is the chairman. And then we've got the CEO, Mal Brannigan, who's been, been sort of with us for a while. I I like them, and after the ownership of Dave Whelan and the Whelan family, it was always going to be hard to try and get in another ownership who has that kind of personal feel and that you know we're really connected to the club. Then we obviously got took over, but I can't remember the name of the people that took over us. Um, 
but it's like a consortium out of Hong Kong. And the story is that they put us up for a gamble that we would get relegated. And then they knew that if they put us into administration, they'd get points deduction and we go down. It was a huge scandal. It's worth going and looking at. And then anyway, uh, Phoenix came through. They ended up buying us. I think we were in talks with a few Spanish consortiums to try and take over, but it was uh, Phoenix and, and the Bahrain group that took over. I think they've been very good. And I also think that there's a little bit of naivety into the English Football League and, and what kind of needs to be done. Oh, he's here. I've just been trying to talk about the Bahrain ownership while you've been gone. <laughs> no, no, feel free. Continue, continue. I just, oh my, I'm sat here and I've just literally sent a rant to the missus and just FFFs, see you next Tuesday, FF, internet, Virgin Media, but I've just, uh, I hate it. Hate it with a passion. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to carry it on. I was basically just saying that, um, obviously, with the owners that we've had, we've had, you know, the Whelan family, they were brilliant. Um, they were putting in far too much money every month that it just wasn't sustainable to keep us going. Then we got took over by a Hong Kong consortium. They essentially gambled us to get relegated and they made a lot of money. Then a Spanish consortium tried to get us after we got in administration. That never went through and the, the Bahrain people took over. And it's a guy called Mr. Al Jasmi actually owns it. But then Talal Al Hamad is the chairman. And then obviously we've got Mar Brannigan, the CEO. So that's kind of the top line structure that we've got. But I think they've been good. There's a little naivety with the English Football League and sort of what needs to be done to, to compete in the championship. But, you know, they're learning as much as, as we are because the, the club was essentially nothing. I think we had three players on the books when they took over. We mm. squad together that you know never should have won League One, but they played the hearts out. They played such a specific style of football. They just ground out wins. So yes, they've been very very good. But you know, I really hope that they take all the learning points from this season and actually, um, actually develop it next year. But I will say I do think our chairman spends a little bit too much time on Twitter, and that's kind of come to bite him a few times. There's been a few rash decisions that he's made, like the sacking mm. of Richardson and the hiring of Torre and then sacking of. A lot of that has been social media based, I feel. So, I mean, the Colorado one, uh, like you said, the uh, first of all, I'll just apologize because it may even happen again. I can't guarantee anything. It's it, it's a joke, honestly. It, to be fair, it, it's not done it for ages. And it's only recently that it started doing it a lot more again. Um, but other than that, the Colorado situation, I mean, would you have gone for him to begin with? Or was it a case of, do you think it was one of those where I know obviously now, I don't know I don't know how to say this, that, that I think they've created, haven't they, the EFL, something like you've got to have so many people of, uh, of race, so many people of such and such within a shortlist um, of candidates and things like that. And I'm not saying that he was appointed on the basis of that, but obviously, he's still done wonders under Brendan Rodgers, taking on, you know, um, done stuff with the coaching element side of it as well. Did you think that he was ready for that step up in management, especially to a side like Wigan? I mean, or should he have gone down the route of managing a, a club at a, a lower level? I mean, when Richardson got sacked, I think the shortlist that really came out was Neil Critchley, uh, Rob Edwards, Duncan Ferguson, Stephen Gerrard, and I forget who the other person was, but Torre was never mentioned. And there was a little rumor that we were trying to get Yaya Torre in, who's working in the Spurs setup. And yeah, that was apparently he never was in for the job. That was just a rumor that was going around. But then Torre came out of nowhere and it took us all by surprise. We don't understand where it came from. 
and oh, Sean Maloney was actually in the, the the other person in the shortlist back at back in the day. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, I said when it first happened and when Torre first got announced, I was on another podcast with somebody else, and they said, "Would you have ever thought of Torre?" And I said, "I could have named a hundred managers who I would think could have took over, and he would never have been on that list." I didn't even know he was up for a job. I didn't know he was up for leaving Leicester, but then. For him to come in and have his first job really in management, which is to go from a pretty cushy job at Leicester, where I know he'd won the FA Cup and he, you know he's doing well with Rodgers, to then go to Wigan and bring in um, Ashfield Jahal, who was an under-15s coach, I think he was, in the academy at Leicester. And then Kevin Betsy, who'd just been sat from Crawley. And, you know, had I mean, he'd worked with England set up, but a lot of the youth teams and he'd worked with the Arsenal under-23s. So the collective three that came in, they didn't have the most kind of experience and we were a side that really mm-hmm. needed to be you know start from scratch and start again and you know the ideas that they had really I think Torre was really trying to get us to play like Leicester which you cannot do with a, with a side like Wigan but no you know it was a yeah, it was a really strange appointment at the time and obviously it just didn't go very well at all no I mean I didn't get it I didn't understand it. I thought, eh, how? I mean, you said there that they were just a bit out of the depth. They didn't gel. It didn't work. I remember when, you know, we got, when Coyle jumped ship to Bolton and we ended up uh, getting Brian Laws, who had been sacked from Sheffield Wednesday. And we're like, why have we gone down that cheap option route? And some of the players I've heard in interviews have come out and said they, they took the first training session and they did it. Um, behind closed doors and they did it on the pitch at Turf Moor and Russ Wilcox the assistant manager turned to Robbie Blake and said so what's it like then the Premier League I've only been watching League 1 and 2 and it's like if you're coming in as a gaffer and you're asking your players that then you are clearly too far out of your depth to even be where you are Um, and ultimately I think we lost 2-0 to Scunthorpe at at the Turf Um, I think it's the season after, about about November time. And I was one of those people outside the Bob Lord saying, get out of the club sort of thing. It were time to go. But it it does happen. It does happen. Um, sometimes you've got to go down the wrong route to hopefully find the, the right answer. And do you believe Maloney is the right answer now? I mean, he's played for Wigan. He's... Um, he seems to he seems to know what he's doing so far in terms of the results. I mean, but what have you made of his like playing style and things like that? I've really enjoyed him taking over from us. And one thing with Richardson is he was always like the family guy manager. You know, he was always going over and cheering the supporters, always going over and and making sure everybody kind of felt connected as a club. Torrey didn't do any of that, and he rarely did like really? sort of, yeah, he rarely did press conferences. Rarely would like clap the fans for going. It just seems to be a huge disconnect. And I don't know if that's just because it's his first job and he's not quite aware of, you know, the role that he kind of needs to play in that aspect. But, you know, again, that can be on the club, that can be on our CEO and our chairman of not saying to him, right, this is what you need to do. So you can't pin all that on Tory. But Maloney has come in and we've just hired a new marketing guy called Jamie and he's doing all our, our you know, player interviews and uh, manager interviews. So the actual... Um, community around the club has improved massively and Maloney's really, really feeding into that. He's constantly talking about the fans travelling down and, you know, we might only take 500 away to, to like West Brom, but 
he will make sure that every single fan there feels you know that the, the journey was worth it regardless of the result because he will he will make it so that you know there is that family feel there so on at, with actual on the field playing he's really tightened us up and he's made us a lot harder to beat but then you know he is really struggling with this final third and trying to get our attacking going but that's not really on him it's just we don't have much pace and we're really struggling for for ideas so He's made it so that we are harder to beat, but you know points don't get you anywhere anywhere quickly. But you know he is like you say he would be played for us. He's, he got the winning assist for the BFA Cup when we got there, so he knows what it means to to be a Wiganer, and he has done very very well. So if we go down, I have full trust that he's going to be the guy to lead us to try and get back into the championship. But then if we manage to stay up, I think that he is the guy then to try and do a bit of a rebuild and keeps in the championship. And I have full faith that he will do it. No, same here, same here. I think it, great appointment when it came about. Um, Luke says here, going back to Colo Torre, it's very harsh I felt on Torre. Nine games, not even a win. Uh, all the greatest respect to these clubs and Colo. When you're fighting a relegation battle, you don't appoint someone for their first managerial job. I mean, you don't really, do you? You go to an experienced head who's maybe been in and around it before or someone that's willing to take on that challenge it, but has the experience with you know, previous jobs, whether they've been in that situation or not. Um, I mean, Maloney, was he a a foreign club before he came to Wigan? He's had a bit of a a wild journey. I think he he finished his career at Celtic, I feel. Um, And then I know he wanted to go and play for Aberdeen because I think that's where his hometown is, but an injury kept him away from being able to play there. And I think he worked for the Celtic Academy. Um, And then he ended up obviously going and working with Belgium, he worked with yeah. Roberto Martinez. I think he did the Euro 2021 or something out there. And he got a job at Hibernian. I think you were on the list for our managerial contenders prior to company as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's well experienced. And there was a really good article that the coach's voice put out. And it was about Maloney. And he was talking about his journey. And just about his philosophy as well. And he was taking like endless amount of flights every year just to go around and, and spend time with different players at the home clubs. So he would go around and even if he could just catch five minutes or try and go out for a dinner with them, he just wanted to learn all about the players and what makes them tick. So for him then to come across to Wigan, I think he is a, he is a very good asset. But, you know, like the, the True Red said there, it was very harsh on Colo Torre to, to bring him in. We all thought like, we really wanted it to work out but at the same time we all thought this could go very very wrong and I think it was two points from 21 possible in his in his league campaign we got knocked out of the FA Cup and yeah it was just it's those kind of things that he stepped away from Leicester in a very very good job we paid an insane amount of compensation to them to try and get him across Ashford Jahal left a good job Kevin Betsy you know could have found a different job in a youth setup and they've kind of had the sort of the name tarnished by this time at Wigan. So I don't really know where they're going to go next. I don't know if Leicester will take them back or or what. Oh, God knows. God knows. I mean, looking at it now, like you said, he's, he's come in, he's made you more hard to beat. Do you believe that he can get you out of this? I mean, obviously, I know it's, you know, every game is a cup final now. And, you know, results like last weekend, Cardiff getting a result, us not being able to flame in, finish off Blackpool doesn't help, so I apologise. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, like just the, they, these little things don't go in your favour. And I know I know you've got to look at your own club and think, look, we've got to do our job, sod everybody else. Just You've got to sort of hope that will fall into place, but you need to sort out yours. Do you think Maloney is the man to be able to do that? And do you believe that you will get out of it this season? Or do you think it's going to be Operation Rebuild uh, for League One in the summer? 
I think that the league this year, especially the bottom, is still so close that you can't write us off until you know the final whistle goes when we play Rotherham at the end of the season. And realistically, I think we only need to get seven more points than Cardiff or, or seven more points than QPR or something to, to be able to win. QPR have got the worst form since the World Cup, so they're there for the taking. We've realistically, if we're going to do it, we need a shock result either against Burnley, uh, Coventry, Watford, Sheffield United. And then we need to win the games that, you know, we need to be able to win, like the QPR, like Blackpool, like Millwall, maybe Stoke. We need to be winning these games, but I don't really know how we do that. Um, we are starting to shoot a lot more. We've, one of our problems this year was was shooting and then hitting the target. Sean Maloney started to get that going a little bit, but, you know, we're still, it's the lack of pace, really, and the lack of creative ideas that are really, really struggling with us. But we do have players that can come in and make an impact. They're just not really getting the game time. Like I don't know if you know anything about Tom Pierce, but he's a yeah, yeah. brilliant left wing back. But then Maloney brings him on with two minutes to go. And he almost gets the equaliser like late on. You, you're thinking, just bring him on at 60 minutes or start him or do something. Because, you know, I, I like James McLean and he's got eight assists, I think, this season. But, you know, he's 33. His legs are starting to go a little bit. You can't play him. I think he's started every single game this season. But I get him as a rotation player. But, you know, we need to start doing... Is We're at the point in the season where we need to start throwing ideas out. Whether they work or not, we need to change something. No, fair enough. I mean, who's been the standout players for you this season? I know that's a tough question to answer when you're down in the dundrums, but who's who's been a standout that you're hoping you can still keep hold of no matter what the situation is? I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to look at Will Keane. You know, 10 goals this season, you can't discredit that at all. Um, there's a real conversation at the moment about what, does, what else does he contribute to the game other than goals? And you're thinking, well... We need goals if we're going to stay up. So yeah. I'm happy enough for him to be a passenger for most of the game if he gets us the goals. But, you know, he hasn't scored in the last nine games. He's really starting to struggle a little bit. But Charlie Hughes, our centre-back, he came through our youth academy. He's just signed the new contract till 2027. And he is he's brilliant. And obviously, he didn't play against Burnley the first time around. But I think that when, when we do play, you know, obviously, Burnley are going to put us under loads of pressure. And Charlie Hughes will be a player that I think is going to be very, very good at dealing with that and trying to trying to stop Burnley. So, you know, Charlie Hughes done well. Will Keane's done well. Um, Chris Teehee in the centre of the park, brilliant. We've got him on loan. I think maybe if we stay up, we can try and buy him for 800,000, I think. Um, I think it's Slovak Liberen is his, uh, in Czech Republic, I think is who owns him. So he said that he wants to come across and sign a contract at Wigan, but whether that's league dependent, I don't know. If we go down to League One, is he yeah. really going to do it? Um, probably not. But he's, you know, he's another brilliant player. So we have got we've got a couple of gems across the field, but you know, as a collective unit, we're, we're we are lacking a little bit. I just I put it down to ten day Derek with me, but anyway, <laughs> that's just be, being for a former Burnley player. Um, obviously. With the game that we played early on in the season, um, well, I, I won't mention the scoreline, uh, but obviously it was the first. I think you were the first team we actually like went out and just didn't stop. Um, I, I sort of only remember this game because I couldn't find a uh, perfectly legal stream for it, and I ended up watching it on uh, the missus said we'll go shopping. She ended up doing the shopping in Tesco. I ended up connecting to Tesco's Wi-Fi, sat in the car park, watching it on my phone. And, yeah, so I suppose this this season, that's why it's probably a bit more, like, in in, in my brain a little bit. 
Um, it were it were a good result for us. I, w- I won't lie. Um, but this, if Burnley do get a result over Wigan, um, just I found a stat out. This could be the first ever time that Burnley do the double over Wigan. Oh, really? The first ever time. It's not been done before. Um, it's obviously your first league trip to Burnley since April 2014, uh, when obviously we won two 0 through Ashton Barnes and Michael Cartley. I think that was on the road to promotion then as well. Uh, I think was that on the yeah that must have was that the last day last home game of the season. I think I'm not sure because I think Barnes scores and then he like hugs one of the one of the fans and who sort of ran onto the pitch and ripped hold of him. Um, either either way, um, again, it's you know it's been a long time since we've played each other in the league. Uh, Burnley have scored in each of their last 23 league matches at Turf Moor. They've only had one longer run this century, scoring in 24 in a row between January 2009 and March 2010. Uh, Wigan's Will Keane, however, has scored in both of his league starts against Burnley, scoring in his only previous league start at Turf Moor in December 2015 for Preston in in what was Burnley's last home championship defeat. So, um, you know, more reason to start him, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think he's I mean, definitely going definitely gonna to start for us. He's, he, we tried dropping him a couple of times and um, just putting him on the bench just to try and see if we had any other different ideas. But when you drop Will Keane, you really do notice kind of, you know, the hole in that side. And we bring him on and he's starting to get shots on target. Might not be scoring, but at least he, he is creating a couple of chances. Yeah, I mean, any sort of injury news from from your side? Any any players that won't make it to Turf Moor on Saturday? Yeah, we had a problem with uh, Jack Watmore, who's our defender, a brilliant defender. We signed him. Uh, was he from Portsmouth? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, and um, brilliant in League One. Struggled a little bit at the start of this season. He's had a couple of injuries as well, um, but then once he started to get back into the rhythm of playing, he is just a brilliant defender for us. But he was named in the team sheet when we went down to West Brom and he got uh, taken out of the team sheet and we, we brought in Ryan Nyambe in place of him because he got injured in the warm-up. I don't know how significant that is. I don't know how serious it is, whether he's going to still be out or not. Then we've kind of took a bit of a hit in the central midfield as well. Jordan Cousins is out. Uh, Charlie White is still out. He's, he's not coming back anytime soon, I don't think. So there's just been a couple of... like Charlie Wyke has been great for us. He's hold-up play and he's, he is a very good player for us. But yeah, losing him has been really, really difficult. So there's a couple of injuries, but at the same time, you know, we have enough cover that, you know, if Jordan Cousins goes out in the midfield, we bring in Max Power and Chris Teehee. We obviously brought in Martin Kelly and Omar Rakik in the January transfer window. Both got injured in the first game. <laughs> but kind of plug a gap because Jason Kerr, our defender, was out with an ACL for the season. You try and plug that gap and both get injured in the first game. You think, well, is our luck. But it, Martin Kelly is out for the season anyway. Omar Akik is starting to come back, but he's still kind of getting on. Chris Tihi, who I mentioned before, he got uh, brought off at halftime. He, he took a bit of a knock on the ankle. So I don't know if he's going to be back. But if we if we miss Chris Tihi, then you know it's, it's going to be a really, really difficult game for us. Even more difficult than it's probably already going to be anyway. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've we've got Josh Brownhill out now until after the international break. Um, he's ruled out. I'm not entirely sure what the injury was. Uh, I've noticed this season we're not really open about what sort of injuries it's been. It's just a case of, oh, he's out. Yeah, he'll be back at this point and that's it. Uh, but he's 
the way he went off, it, it, I think he'd gone over on his foot at Blackpool anyway uh, and landed funny. Probably some sort of like tear in his in his foot, but he'll be out till after the uh, international break. Like I say, Ian Matson on at left back is back in contention. Uh, Manuel Benson, Jay Rodriguez, and Taylor Harwood Bellis are all back on the pitch for light duty, so they won't be anywhere near it at the moment. Um, So, other than that, we seem to be all right. Um, But for me, I'm just, I'm I'm sort of surprised usually. I'd be like, oh shit, this guy's injured, this guy's injured. And we'd have no backup. You know, we'd have a load of dog shit on the bench and no, no to go to or turn to. It'd just be dross. But now we've actually got players that we can bring in and sort of just be like, oh, yeah, he'll slot in fine. He'll do. And it's, it's sort of, it, it's mad because I'm not used to it. I'm not used to all this attention on Burnley and stuff. It's like I had a, me- a message earlier um, from some Belgian newspaper he just wants to. He's he'll be in Burnley this week, uh, next week, and wants fans. Uh, I'm just like right, okay. Uh, just yeah, it's it's so surreal, so surreal. But I, I'm enjoying the ride. I can't lie. Can't I mean, lie. Burnley are um, just in the championship this season, aren't they? So they are. They are. Great I, I didn't expect it though. I really, really didn't expect it because I even at the beginning of the season did a predictions for the league. And I put us in eighth because I thought, you know, all the media bollocks that were going around about, oh, we're in shit ton of debt. It's going to be like one relegation to the next. And I thought just maybe as soon as like pretty much when company came in, I was like, maybe there is a little bit of uh, we will get there. We will get out of this. Um, I can't remember where I put Wigan, but I'm going to find it now. Because it is on my phone. Um, don't know why I'm looking at recycle bin. It's in this folder, but I think we all just wanted 18th or above. We weren't really bothered about you know going into the second half of the table. We just wanted to be able to stay in the league another season. That was all. Most of our winning predictions. I put you in 16th. Yeah, it's about right for where a lot of people wanted us to be. Yeah, I put you in 16th. I put my, my bottom three were Rotherham, Birmingham and Hull. Wow. Well, Hull have turned it around completely, haven't they? And then just above them, I put Millwall. Uh, so that, <laughs> that went completely tits up. But um, no, I, I like I like Wigan. I haven't had the pleasure of trying a Wigan kebab yet. Um, I can't say I've tried that. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I have slapped a... Uh, a pie between a bit of bread, but it's. I don't think it's the same. I just don't think it's the same. I think it just. You've got to get like a proper, proper pie, proper bomb cake, as you guys like to call it, or bomb or whatever. Yeah, it's um, a big exactly what a wooden kebab is. And I see a lot of. Um, I think like the lad Bible pod video out uh, a few months ago, and they were talking about wooden kebabs, and all the people in the comments going, "That's not a wooden kebab." <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> what, what, what one actually is. So. <laughs> oh, there's, there's loads of there's that. What is it? Smack Barn P Wet or something as well. Yeah. It makes me like Wigan has their own, own language. It's quite funny. They all call. <laughs> I think. But I've not been there for a long time now, but because I've just been dotting around, but it makes me laugh. And when I do go there, just seeing how people talk and what they call things. 
<laughs> it's almost like being back home. <laughs> uh, Luke says, nine and a half years of Sean Dash, it would have been hard for fans to adjust and get used to a different Burnley. Yeah. I mean, I remember the beginning of the season, I went to watch us play Shrewsbury in pre-season at, uh, their, at their ground. And again, it felt strange for us because Steve Cottrell, our former manager with their manager, Brian Jensen, or our goalkeeper with their goalkeeping coach. And it was a bit like there was a sort of, you had a bit of respect for Shrewsbury. But that was the first glimpse we got of seeing this, playing it out from the back, making passes. And you had blokes around 60 years old sat at the side of us going, lump it forward. And and just like, sort of like, what are you doing? There? Like, what are you doing passing it about for? Get it knocked up top. And I'm just like, we are a team in transition and this is being shouted. But I thought it was funny. And at first, we watched about 10 minutes and I turned to my mate and I said, what is this? Like, fingers crossed this pays off, but what is this? Um, and well, the league table doesn't like it. It's clearly, clearly doing something. Something's clearly going right. Um, I think you you were a team that were yeah. notorious to be a bogey team, I think, because you were just so good at defending a lot of the time that you would make it so hard for teams to beat you. But but that's why I worried as well this year because obviously we'd lost Ben Mee, we lost Tarkovsky, lost Nick Pope. So that even that back three triangle there, you've sort of just dispersed everything. Then you lose the likes of McNeil and Corney who have been your pace and players that get into into pockets. Uh-huh. And you're thinking, shit, like, where do we go from here? We've got a team full of players that, not, not a dross, but are getting older. Um, are they going to cope with the physicality of the championship? And then it was a case of, oh, Barnes will. He'll knock a few, he'll ruffle a few feathers. Jack Cork will be, you know, decent in there. We thought Ashley West would be, but obviously he got injured and now he got sold to uh, Charlotte FC in America. But some of the older heads have even managed to adapt to the way that we're playing. And just seeing that, like, Ashley Barnes, this is his last last year at, at Burnley, to be fair. Um, and personally, I'd offer him another contract because he, he's just, again... Managed to find I don't I don't know his twin brother inside of him or something that's twenty years old and being able to start turning people and make these passes it's just so so surreal and like Simon says here we've been Burnley so many times this year it hurts it does yeah it does um, I'm so used to us being the defensive team not us piling the pressure onto a defensive yeah. side uh, how do you think you'll set up then? come uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, if you were to pick your starting eleven, who would be in it? I mean, we always do a back three at this point with two, with two wing-backs, um, usually two in the midfield. and then, So we usually do like a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-1-2 variation. I think when you look at the stats, our goalkeepers really, both of them are at the bottom of the championship stats in terms of goalkeepers. They're not brilliant, but out of the two of them, it probably will be Ben Amos because he has been a lot better since Sean Malone has come in. Um, I don't know if you saw the goal again that West Brom scored the other day, but it was completely yeah. like there's nothing he could really do done better. But then when he was called into action later on, he did do well. So it's probably going to be Ben Amos. The defense again, you know, when you lose Jack Watmore in in the pre pre warm up, obviously going to be very difficult to replace him. So probably going to be Charlie Hughes, Ryan Niambi, and Omar Rakik might be the the three at the back. Rakik is very good at taking the ball out and commanding that left side. So 
I don't know who plays in your right, but it, you know, he's Omar Akik will be the one to, to deal with him. Either Anas Sarori or Nathan Teller, they kind of swap every now and again. Oh, Nathan Teller is one of the best players I think I've seen at the DW all season. He was brilliant when, when he came to us. I just hope we can sign him permanently. Yeah. I just really hope we do. I was thinking about this before, like the players who Burnley have got in on loan and whether they would want to go back to Burnley. And I don't see why it's not a project that players like Teller wouldn't want to go across to because... Especially if Southampton come down as well. Yeah, so I can, I can see players like Teller wanting to do it. Our wing-backs, maybe Ryan Nyambe, uh, oh no, not Ryan Nyambe, Tendai Dariqua and... I would like to see Tom Pierce just for something different. I think his crossing's a lot better. McLean's legs against Burnley is good as sometimes <laughs> plays out of the game. We saw it with um, Hungbo, who plays for Huddersfield. He's a very good player. Yeah. James just kept him out of the game for most of it. He's the only real aggressive player that we've got. So when you put him on a player, he will just do anything to, to stop the play. But I would like to see Tom Pierce in a bit more of a nice football. Middle of the park is pr- honestly probably going to be Max Power and Chris Teehee. But if Teehee's not available, Tom Naylor maybe. Then moving forward, Callum Lang, I think, is still out with a dead leg. So you're looking at Daniel Sonani, Will Keane, and probably Ashley Fletcher is going to get another go. Is Ashley Fletcher permanent or is he on loan there? He's on loan, but he's made it very clear that he wants to stay. And honestly, if we get down to League One, I'm very much happy to keep him. I think he's a player that runs on confidence, but he really just needs to you know, start taking his chances a little bit more because he's only scored two goals for us this season, but you know, the, the two goals have come from when he's really just put his body on the line and just, you know, taking the shot, which doesn't do all that much. So he just needs to start taking more shots. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, Sam says here, Teller will sign, loves it here and in full bromance with Obafemi. Yeah, which Obafemi is going to sign permanently. There is an option for Jordan Bayer to sign as well. Uh, even though Borussia Much and Gladbach are doing everything they can to come over and watch as many games and chat with him and stuff like that to try and hope that he'll go back. Um, but they know the ball's in basically Burnley's court. Um, and Simon says there again, with former players, um, Johan berg Gummonson has been a new player this season under Vincent Company as well. I mean, if I had to pick a starting eleven, uh probably go Murich in goal, Connor Roberts right back. Uh, Bayer and Yalmar Ekdal at uh, centre back. With do I start Matson? Is he from Chelsea? That Matson? Yeah, yeah. I think Chelsea are on about loaning him again to us next season. But yeah. I, I'd I'd love to see him sign permanently. I, it, it all depends on him whether he's at that age now. He thinks, look, I'm not going to get a chance at Chelsea, or they might just turn to him and say, one more year. You know, if all happens to Chilwell or Cucurella. You might get a chance. Um, I think that's yeah, a, another one I'd like to see. So, like Matson taking that left back role, and then I'll let you say Chilwell and Cucurella. Cucurella apparently is playing. Well, I don't really watch the Premier League or Champions League or anything because it, it bores me, to be honest. No. Apparently, <laughs> Cucurella's starting to come into it. We all know how good Ben Chilwell is. And then when we had Reese James back in the day, and he obviously then made the step up back to Chelsea into the first team, there was a position available to him, and he's obviously he's run with it. So, a player like Matson is going to be a lot harder for him to try and get in that Chelsea team. So I don't understand why you wouldn't um, why you wouldn't keep him at Burnley if you can. No, definitely, definitely. I don't know whether we'll play him though. Just I know he's come back from injury, but and we played Vitinho at the left sometimes. But I suppose it's me picking it. I'm not guessing what Vinny's doing. Um, so I'd put I'd put Matson there. 
Um, or as the Burnley fans just like to shout, Ian, Ian. So, you know, just such a wonderful chant. Hopefully nobody forgets it. Um, so, yeah, him at, him at left back. Midfield three of Cullen. Does Court come back into contention? Yeah, so I'll go Cork, Cullen, and Goodmanson um, with Zorore. I would bench Teller um, yeah. and start <laughs> and start um, Darko Cherlinov on the other side with Barnes up top. Um, I think Chirlinov deserves a chance for me, especially the performance he put in against Fleetwood. I was surprised he weren't involved against Blackpool, but then he was playing in an under-21s game for some strange reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's what I'd, that's what personally I'd go for anyway. Um, Luke says he uh, actually won't stay at Watford. I didn't even realise he were, he'd moved to Watford. I thought he was still at Borough. Yeah. Um, but to Watford and then came on loan to us. DL. Um, they change manager like every two months, so you safe with that one. They change manager more than you change your underpants, Luke. Um, 17 managers in nine seasons or something. Like. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. stupid. Like Slavin Bilic, when he went across, I thought, you're not getting this for a while, so I don't know why you'd take it. <laughs> no. They must be like promised a shit ton of money to go and do it. Yeah. Well, like Rob Edwards when they had him, and I thought he's yeah. a great manager, he's going to be with him for a while. Then he goes, and you see the job he's doing at Luton now, so it's not him. It's clearly not the manager. It's clearly the board and whatever unrealistic expectations they've got. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to play a little game with you before I get your match prediction, uh, and I'm going to ask you one or two more questions before I wrap it up. But um, first and foremost, who should Burnley fans look out for? What player should we be wary of? I'm going to ask a bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Charlie Hughes, not so much in an attacking sense, but he's really going to try and make it very difficult. It's going to be a bit of a, maybe a mismatch with Ashley Barnes, but it's going to be really character building for him. And I'm really excited to see how he actually does against a team like Burnley. But then when he does have the ball and he's got, say, five, 10 yards of space, he, he does brilliant at scanning the field and trying to find a pass. And if he wants to pick out, you know, McLean or Pace way out on the left, he will do it. So his passing is, is brilliant. And he started to do these balls now, which he was doing in the youth setup when we watched him there. And he'll take the ball. So he plays right centre-back, so he'll take the ball out. And say, you know, Callum Lang or Sonani was running down uh, towards the corner flag on the right, he'll just ping the ball straight down and, and try and break something from there. So he is very good at completely switching up a game with one or two passes. So... For a 19-year-old, I think I think he's brilliant. And we've all said as, as Wigan fans, I'm on a couple of podcasts as well, and we all say on there that we do think Charlie Hughes is a future England player and he's got Ooh. all the characteristics that you know make that. So he just needs a bit of confidence and a few more seasons under his belt. This is his first real season in the championship, first real season in senior football. So but no, he's one that I think we'll be one to watch out for. Definitely. Definitely. I mean it, it's it's Difficult because obviously it depends. I mean, you look at you look at Sober Thomas at Huddersfield hit the ground running coming from non-league, and now his career has gone right down the shit pan because he's playing for Blackburn. But um, 
you know, he's, he's to their own. I didn't think it could get any worse being at Huddersfield, but instead he decides to go. <laughs> what happened? Um, who are you who are you not looking forward to facing? And your side? Yeah. Honestly, Nathan Teller, he plays. <laughs> I think he just, he turned us inside out last time. And I, I don't, has he got a few hat-tricks this season? I think I've seen once or twice he might have got a hat-trick. He's got one hat-trick, that's it so far. Is there a couple of he's breaks? The only per- yeah. I just think he's such a dangerous player and he's so attacking. Um, obviously, just growing in confidence. And like somebody said before, that bromance has got with Obafemi, he's just you know, going to help him out massively. So, yeah, if Teller plays, I'm a bit worried. But at the same time, honestly, Ashley Barnes, I think that he's all the markings of just a brilliant championship forward, just in how f- uh, physical he is and how he's not afraid to get involved with defenders and push them around to try and get towards goals. So he's got. we've already got a bit of a weakened bat line and Ashley Barnes can really make the whole afternoon difficult. No, definitely. Definitely. Sorry, someone just answered the front door. So my head got turned. Um, <laughs> what have you ordered now? Love winding her up. Um, she probably ordered some. Uh, either way, won't be food and all that. Oh, uh, we've had that. Yeah, <laughs> you should got a wig and kebabs in. Um, not really appreciate you coming on. Really, really do. Thank you for giving us an insight uh, into Wigan as well. Uh, before we get your prediction on um, every th- on the game this Saturday, I uh, just want to play a little game called This or That. This or That. Voiceover work. I don't know who's done it. Um, <laughs> not a clue. Um, but basically, it's a piece of piss. It's just one or the other. Simple okay. as that. Um, they saw that. I suppose it's in the title. Um, so I'll start off nice and easy for you. Home games or away games? Away games. We've got much better form. Just it's just the whole day out and the experience in it as well. Singing for ninety minutes and then trying to remember your way home. Um, <laughs> Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. Work hard or play hard? Play hard. I want to say. Kevin Kilban or Jimmy Bullard? Jimmy Bullard. One of the funniest players I've ever had. Hugo Radiega or Emil Heske? Radiega. The streets can't forget. True, true. Um, Ali Alhabzi or Chris Kirkland? Alhabzi. Fair shout. Fair shout. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Uh, Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. I don't understand how Facebook works at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you could replace any current Wigan player with any Burnley player, who would it be? Josh McGuinness for Ashley Barnes. Give us something up top. Fair enough. Fair shout. Fair shout. It, it could happen. Not McGuinness coming to us, but Barnes going to Wigan. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, and this is the question that can make you, Charlie, go from like just just Charlie to Charlie the Ledge or <laughs> Charlie the Absolute, like get stuff Charlie do one. Um, depends on your answer. 
But the big penultimate question is Does pineapple belong on a pizza? No. Ledge, ledge, <laughs> legend. It does legend. Not. It doesn't at all. Who sticks a fruit on there? And don't get me started in, well, tomatoes are fruit. No, not having it. Not yes. having it. Yes. People have said that when this channel gets to 1K, they want me to stand outside Ewood Park in a Burnley shirt, outside the Jack Walker statue, eating a ham and pineapple pizza. <laughs> um, I've not agreed to it, but um, I will say one thing. It, it's, yeah, no. Ugh, no you shouldn't have no. someone else to eat on a pizza. It's, it's just wrong. It's I don't that, understand. That's, that's what's just been delivered to your house now. I'm a pineapple pizza. <laughs> to be fair, I came home once. I can't remember where I've been. And she said, uh, guess what I have after my tea? And I said, what? She said, I, I bought a ham and pineapple pizza. But I ate it before you came home, so you didn't see that I'd had it. <laughs> and then the guy who I'm doing a show with at nine o'clock, he's... He actually came on stream once. He'd ordered, ordered himself an Hawaiian from Domino's and he just sat out kind of home and was chewing it. And I just called him a sick fucker and I, and I took his camera off. Um, but no, I really do appreciate it. Really, really do appreciate you giving up your time and all. Like you say, um, you just got back from America and stuff. Again, um, tell people where they can check out you and your stuff. You just find me on Twitter at Central Wigan, um, Substack, centralwigan.substack.com. And then obviously on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, just type in Central Wigan Podcast and we're on there. Sweet. As I say, there is some links to uh, Instagram, Twitter and all that jazz in the description of this video. So please do go check it out. If you have enjoyed what you've seen today, and please do drop a like on this video. Subscribe to the channel if you are new, because it does help while we're on that road to 1K. And hit that. Hit the notification bell if you want to be notified when we next go live, which, funnily enough, is in just over an hour's time. We will be back at 9 o'clock for the EFL prediction show, giving all our predictions to this weekend's games. Myself and Anthony, who's romping away with the lead at the moment, and I'm just, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just here, I suppose. I'm doing dog shit at the minute. Um, that said, though, um, before we wrap it up, give us your score prediction. Obviously, I said before that we need a shock result to try and stay up. So I would love us to, to you know, to nick a one 0 But realistically, you've not lost at home all season. If we can score, I'll be happy. So I'm going to say two one to Burnley, and I think that's a little optimistic. But we are a lot harder to beat now, so that is what I hope. But no, if we can nick a win, great. But realistically, I think it's going to be too much for us. No, fair enough, fair enough. Again, really do appreciate it. People, please do go check out Central Wigan and get in touch with Charlie if you need him to uh, chat all things Wigan. Uh, really do appreciate as I say. And people, you can come back and watch Burnley vs Wigan with us on Saturday from 2.50. We will be doing a live watch along. I'm not going to be at the game because I'm going to a 30th straight after. Um, so I cannot, I won't say anything in case that person is watching, but I will be going to a 30th afterwards. Um, so, yeah, please do join us and we will take you through the game as it happens. Uh, all I can say is I won't give my prediction out till later on, as as, uh, as people have figured out. Uh, Simon says, up the carrots. Why not? You just take it piss because I'm ginger. It doesn't look ginger on camera and I've shaved it down a little bit. But either way, um, it is. Uh, thank you for the stream, was listening while playing games. No problem, Henry, really appreciate it. And as I say, I appreciate everyone who's put their comments in and got involved. 
Um, but we'll be back in, as I said, just over an hour where we will be going through our predictions for this weekend's games. Thanks again, Charlie. All Thank the you. best for the rest of the season in all these cup finals you've got to, um, to play now. And uh, yeah, all I can say is how we always end it. Oh, the clarets. <laughs> <laughs>